home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. We should have a sad Market Monday opening for, like, di- for days like this when we have the worst one-day point drop in history. Something in a minor key of some slowed down a little bit. Yeah. Fill up glass in the background somewhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, not a good day on the Dow. They said that uh, there were points earlier in the day where the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down almost 1,500 points. Uh, as of the close, uh, the last few numbers are coming in, but... They're saying it would be eleven thousand. I'm sorry, eleven hundred seventy-six points. That would be about a four point six percent drop. So that would put the Dow Jones Industrial Average at twenty-four thousand three forty-six. That that would be the largest point drop in history. But in terms of the percentages, it's not even in the top twenty-five. I think in terms of percentage drops, this is the result of good news. I know that sounds Weird. odd. But wages are growing at their fastest pace since 2009. Um, That, of course, affects inflation, which could mean that the Fed raises rates at a faster pace. You get the higher interest rates, the stocks are going to take the dent. This is also, uh, from from all the analysts that I've read, they've said this is not only is it expected because we've been almost straight up in terms of the Dow since the beginning of the year, or sorry, the beginning of last year, not only is this expected, it's actually a sign of a healthy market. Uh, one way, actually, one guy describes this as um, a way to take away some of the froth and irrational exuberance from stocks and puts us back on a more sustainable trend line. That's good. Which you think about it, yeah. I mean, if you, it, this is, it's a little unsettling, perhaps, uh, seeing the Dow drop 1,100 points. Uh, But it's not necessarily all, you know, fire and brimstone, light your hair on fire and leave. There need to there there need to be days like this. Just not many of them. They they described uh, the largest point drops ever uh, on some of these 778 up to this point. That was back in 2008. And then a few days later, there was a 733 point drop. But that's back when the Dow started going back down towards that 8000 mark. And if you. I mean, imagine that. Eight, the Dow was at 8,000, and now it's at 24,345. We are okay. So far. But when you add this to the uh, point drop from Friday, which was 666, I don't know if that number means anything. Investors as I say they're still confident that the stocks will continue to do well in 2018, despite the fact that this uh, recent drop has erased the gains. Interest rates, government bond yields globally remain low by historical standards and stocks often rise alongside them as the economy strengthens. There was a a great Motley Fool actually came out with a great um, list of things to do in a situation like this where you get unsettling news about Wall Street. Buy. Well, they say buy the dip is one of them. 
Uh, that's one of the things, although some people had say, yeah, let's wait a couple of days before we know whether now is the time to buy the dip. Let's look for a small bottom on this, a, a plateau before we start reinvesting our money. Uh, but they said you take a step back, you breathe, you realize that down days are corrections. They're not the end of the world. And, and it's perfectly a, normal. And there's a correction roughly every two years. We haven't seen one since January 2016. So, again, totally normal. The other one is the the second thing they they say to keep in mind is the best option in a situation like putting money into a stock market is to play the long game. Yeah, don't react. It's always been the best way and the, and the safest way to make money, invest money in the stock market is to do so over the long term, not getting into that, you know, turning it into gambling basically and buying and selling as quickly as you can. And then finally just uh, add dividend stocks to your portfolio. Dividend stocks have the time-tested business models and are beacons of profitability, they say. I like this uh, J.P. Morgan report that was done a couple of years ago about people who didn't react, stayed right where they were uh, in, in the market. Uh, the report was called Staying Invested During Volatile Markets. <laughs> there you go. It analyzed the S&P 500's performance over a 20-year span between 1995 and 2014. The report found that there was an aggregate 555% gain for investors who stayed throughout the entire period. If they pulled out, if they missed just 10% of the best percentage gains over that 20-year period, their gains went down to just 191%. So from 555% to 191% when they pulled out and they got skittish. That's why you should feel good about not touching anything. Right. It's, I mean, <laughs> you can, I guess, alter some of your asset allocations if you wanted to and get in there and tinker around a little bit. But selling off is probably not the greatest idea. Uh, by the way, it should be noted that Shannon and I are not financial professionals. And you should always talk to your financial advisor before oh, yeah. you no, listen to I the don't, advice of two boneheads. I'm not, it's not advice. <laughs> okay. It's just what MarketWatch recommends. Uh, <laughs> um, what I love is already... People are poking. Furthermore, if you think one of us is a financial <laughs> professional, we've got bigger problems. Uh, what I love is that people are already uh, poking their finger into the chest of the president and saying, see, yeah, I now? told you so. Well, hold on a second. Again, because of the fact that the Dow is up around the 25,000 mark, an 1,100-point drop is not that big of a deal again. I'm not, I don't want to dispel any rumors that this was not a significant day. It was. But when you when you talk about a percentage drop, this is not even in the top 25 yeah, days but, in terms of percentage drops. But the victory laps don't get to really continue if you're going to use the stock market as proof because these drops have erased any gains that the year made. So far, yes. In one in the one month, we're well back down into the all of the 24,000 range. But you Dow can Johnson still take the victory lap over that this is a sign of health for the economy. Well, and you you said that it's the weirdest, not the weirdest, but it is that with that unusual circumstance where we find that good news, you know, the higher wages, among other things, the unemployment numbers that came out on Friday, those, even those led to a sell-off at times, you know, a sell-off to a certain degree. The 1,100 points today, the 600 points, uh, almost 700 points on Friday. So it, it will correct. I mean, th this is the correction uh, and it will stabilized to some point and go back to where we the the what was the guy's line the a more sustainable trend line when it comes to tech, uh, stocks well since we're all going to be homeless soon we should talk about how the the uh, high-speed rail 
the bullet train is is helping the homeless. They're going to put homeless people on the bullet train? Um, no. Oh, but that's an idea. But it I is. I saw a little twinkle It in is your an eye. idea. I wouldn't say a good one. There's There's no bad ideas. But we've got an update about the bullet train route and what it is doing for the homeless. Great. Uh, that's coming up next. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, we've got an update to the Orange County homeless problem coming up next. But first, it looks like Jerry Brown's slow train to Madeira is causing some homeless problems up north. Bit of a spectacle it is up and down the Central Valley now. Bless you. Thank you. The California High-Speed Rail Authority now owns more than 1,200 parcels from Madera to south of Wasco. Where's Wasco? It's the place where they grow all the flowers. I think they grow roses there. Oh, that sounds lovely. This is a 119-mile corridor. Mm, It sounds lovely. Abandoned commercial buildings. That's what I'm talking about. Vacant lots. Dying orchards. Yeah. Boarded up homes. Bring on that train, geniuses. Construction sites. It is a freaking eyesore. And you know what? You know what? uh, You know who's into abandoned commercial buildings? Everybody I see on intervention? Yes. That's what I thought. Every single person. Um, The Royal, Royal, the Rail Authority's chief engineer says that the they're going to need more land. A couple of years ago, they came out with a a projection of how many properties they would need to buy all in that one strip line down to where they're going to put the rain, uh, where choo-choo go. And in 2014, they said they needed 1,300 parcels of land. Now they say they need 1,800 parcels of land. An increase of 500 properties... 38%. The the authority's chief engineer says the additional land is needed for construction activities along the route. And in some cases, the contractor proposed changes that will actually be saving money. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a novel idea. But in the meantime, they're leaving. I think someone described this as a linear ghetto. Yeah, one of the rail designers said that. It, because... Many of the land takes uh, the, the the land that they that they need to build this fantasy thing. Um, it's leaving vacant. It's leaving lots vacant for uh, for a really long time, and it's a, just a patchwork of property ownership because some of the land is is in litigation still. Now they're smart enough at some of these cases, like in Fresno, they had a bunch of uh, seedy, tawdry motels that were along this area. They just tore those down. I mean, just just raised the whole thing so that it was flat and you can't really do much in there. You can't squat in a pile of rubble. I mean, you can, but you, you shouldn't. And it's less likely that they would do that. But there are some pictures of, like, uh, of homes and stuff that have been built that are just sitting there vacant. Charlene Hook 
lived in Corcoran for 30 years. She said a lot of pomegranate, pistachio, or- orchards. Her and her husband had no plans to leave their two and a half acres, she says, until the day the state bullet train authority said its rails would go through their bedroom. Not long after they move out, thieves broke into the house, stripped almost everything of value, took doors off the husband's shop where he would restore classic cars. All her neighbors' homes were being burglarized and vandalized. Criminals just completely came in and took over the entire neighborhood. Now, these, as you can guess, are already communities that don't do very well. They're already dealing with poverty and crime and homelessness. And now Jerry Brown's fantasy train is just worsening the problem. Well, a rail authority spokeswoman said that they're working with law enforcement officials to try to control the crime. They're ordering their contractors to secure their job sites. They know that there are problems with arsons, with homeless people uh, coming in and stealing building supplies over those buildings that are uh, from those buildings that are still standing. Uh, Just basically, this is a linear ghetto of crime that is supposed to one day be a fantasy unicorn train to uh, Mars or wherever it's going to go. The fire situation's out of control. The The Fresno fire chief says since the bullet train authority began acquiring land, there have been 38 arsons on the properties or adjacent to them. 38 arsons in four years. Uh, to help reduce the problem, this the rail authority allowed the city to use a bunch of its its other properties for firefighting and rescue practice <laughs> because they have to respond to all these arsons. They said it's it's uh it's usually like squatters trying to stay warm at night. Yeah. And the and the thing is the the high speed rail authority says that they're doing what they can. You know, they're dealing with law enforcement and fire officials there to, to try yeah, to get... You need to shut the whole thing down. But the county... You need to shut the whole thing down. This is this is ridiculous. Not one more piece of pavement or whatever whatever they're doing physically on stop this project. It. Just stop. Just, well, yeah, put the whole it's thing... It's not going to happen. Fold it up. Let them go back to whatever, you know, these construction crews that are doing it. Uh, I feel bad for them because they're going to have to find some other place to go to work. But the county supervisors in Kings County, for example, they say once they buy a property and board them up, they being the rail authority, the transients come in looking for a place to sleep, and the state doesn't have any plan that works. So high-speed rail comes back and goes, oh, Kings County, they hate everything we do. They're never going to be happy with what – yeah, because they hate you. They realize that this is a giant boondoggle. It's not going to be anywhere. Right. You mentioned Charlene Hooks, the, the Charlene Hook, this woman who had to move out of her house – 30 year that 30 years that she's been in this house she had to move out of it because the state took it over she said i told high speed rail she by the way retired from uh, working at the prison there corcoran she says i told high speed rail don't mess with me i work for the state i know how you people operate but the bottom line is you will never win they are going to get it one way or the other and this is my favorite line the governor will never see that train but people's lives are all torn to hell Yep. It's so it's so brilliantly exemplified in that sentence right there. The governor will never ever see a train run on that rail line ever. Either he dies before it ever gets there cuz it's not I mean it's not a year away or 5 years away. And uh 
people's lives are torn to hell as we sit here and wait for it. Wait for nothing. All right. It looks like a judge has ordered Orange County and three cities into court over the Santa Ana Riverbed homeless mess. Andrew Mullenbeck will be joining us coming up next. Get us all caught up on the latest details. Yes. Just I wanted to throw this in there. Remember that kid that Justin Timberlake danced with in the stands? Yeah. Uh, He said his phone, he wasn't searching what is Justin Timberlake or who is Justin Timberlake. He said his phone had crashed. Just before JT came up the stairs, he's trying to get the phone back working so that he could take a picture. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just, this is just a little advice mm-hmm. from Aunt Shannon. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Don't need to take a picture of everything. You, you know don't what? need to chronicle everything. You can just enjoy the moment. It'll be forever in your brain. If you're there at halftime and Justin Timberlake dances next to you, chances are you're going to be on national TV yeah. anyway. You get Go the home and watch it later. on DVR. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. the screen grabs. Yeah. It's so indicative of the problems I see today with the youth. California's I- iconic salmon runs. <laughs> <laughs> you're triggering, Blake. Uh, That's triggering. Gary Channel will continue. The more I think about that call yesterday, Peterson's call to go for it on fourth and one and to choose that play. The that trick play to, to Nick Foles. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Who do you think gets more credit for that game, Nick Foles or Peterson? Oh, I think Peterson does. Yeah. Like if, if, uh, a, if, like a, if a coach could be an MVP? Yeah, who was the MVP anyway? Bowles. He was? I think so. Okay, good for him. I mean, it, yeah, in, I'm happy in the context of the whole season, it was nice that, uh, you know, that Carson Wentz could could share in that with Nick Foles, I guess. Uh, if big, that's the right big, word. big, big God lovers, that team. Yeah, they as, every uh, single one of them took that podium. Right. As a. Uh, one of our mutual friends who's a Browns fan says it's clear watching the post game speeches that the <laughs> Cleveland Browns have not done enough God loving. Uh, that's right. Our common Browns fan. <clears throat> <laughs> There's only one that I know, I know of. Well, I, I have another one, but it, yeah. he's actually from Cleveland. Uh, all right. Listen, there is a, uh, a judge that has ordered Anaheim, Orange and Costa Mesa and Orange County, all four of these localities to show up in court. And defend what it is that they're doing by kicking people out of the Santa Ana Riverbed. Andrew Mullenbeck has been on this story, joins us now. Andrew, what's up? Hey, good afternoon, guys. The latest hearing is scheduled for next week, and it's connected to that lawsuit uh, filed earlier this month seeking a temporary restraining order against the cleanup along the Santa Ana River. Again, this is just in the area kind of to the south of Angel Stadium. Homeless advocates say hundreds of people who live along the Santa Ana Riverbed just don't really have any other place to go. And in the order yesterday, the judge asked the county and three cities to explain what they're doing to see if it's legal. And this is Orange County Supervisor Todd Spitzer about that decision. I think he just wants to assure that the status of an individual, the fact that somebody is homeless, is not being made a crime that no one who, because they're homeless, is being arrested just because they're homeless. Now, just to 
fill you in a little bit. I know you've been following it a lot. What's happening right now is some people are being arrested, but at least officials say the people who are being arrested have some sort of probation violation, drug charges. It's not just by virtue of their living along the riverbed. It's specifically targeted toward criminal actions. Now, for a couple of weeks, uh, largely the county uh, has been enforcing or trying to get people to move along and clean out this encampment. But at least the, the county's position right now is we're not making it criminal that we're arresting anybody right now. We're only going after normal crimes. And at the same time, we're asking people to move along. But uh, to that cleanup end, after just one week of, of trying to clean up this encampment. The county says it hauled away 400 pounds of human waste, thousands of syringes, and 62 tons of debris. And uh, when I was walking along there earlier today, uh, there were a couple of dozen uh, different law enforcement officers just talking with people, uh, kind of checking out uh, some tents and even just peering in a couple of them. I saw tents with just syringes lying all over the place, and that's really what the county says it's trying to do. Is there, it seems like this is setting up a distinction between someone who's homeless and someone who's not. Uh, as an, uh, Let me explain. If Andrew Mullenbeck is camping on a sidewalk, you can be arrested or cited for an anti-camping law. But if you were somehow able to prove that you came out of the Santa Ana Riverbed, you wouldn't be cited? Yeah, that that's essentially the concern is that if people are cleared out of the riverbed, then they're going to end up in some of these cities. And the cities say, hey, we have these anti-camping laws and we're going to enforce them. And so at that point, the question would be, well, if people can't be in the riverbed and they're not going to be allowed to camp in cities, do they have a reasonable place to go? And if they're simply going to be arrested by virtue of putting up a tent then that temporary restraining order might take effect. Uh, that really is the question, because from a technical standpoint, what we heard uh, the supervisor Spitzer say there, we're not arresting anybody for being homeless. We're just arresting for crimes. But ultimately, if people are arrested because they leave the riverbed, they go somewhere else and put up a tent, then it gets a little bit more murky. Yeah, it seems almost strange. Uh, Andrew. Yeah. You're friends with Chris Ann Carlo, right? Yes. Do we have? Have you heard from him today? I have not. That's what I was going to ask you about. He's the only Eagles fan that I know, and I have not heard from him. He hasn't been on the air, uh, so I was just I was just doing a little bit of a welfare check. I don't know if he's climbed a pole in Philly. Right. I, if he's, uh, I don't know. I was logging on to some Philly blogs this morning to see if he was one of those who had uh, climbed a pole or any were, of that. You were looking I, for his picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's not the Philadelphia fan that we saw eating horse manure. No, that was that, that was not him. Okay. No. Well, I'm actually going to be back in Philly next weekend for a wedding, and I was trying to see if my hotel's still there. <laughs> yeah, because some some things did get burned to the ground. Philly is uh, do you know a special when, place. Do you know when the parade is? Because I don't know. It's if Thursday. You, yeah, uh, it's Thursday. When, so when are you getting there? Uh, Saturday. Okay. Uh, it's not going to be right. there, Philadelphia. I mean. <laughs> The entire city. Okay. Uh, well, be safe. And if uh, if you do a welfare check on Ann Carlo, let us know. Yeah, just shoot me a text if we get a, a pulse on that guy. <laughs> well, right. thank you. See you guys. Andrew Mullen back there. Uh, when we come back, uh, an interesting story that's developing about a prosecutor who is trying to keep a man in jail. Prosecutor put him in jail a long time ago. 
Now this guy's been granted parole, despite the fact that his daughter and the prosecutor who put him uh, in jail for murdering his wife both say they don't want him out of jail. We'll explain that story when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. All right, we got a couple updates here on Chris Ancarlo, our resident Eagles fan. I don't know where he's at. Andrew Mullenbeck texted me. He got a confirmation that Ancarlo is alive. But no alibi on defacing of public property. Okay. Blake has an update as well. Yeah, I just said, uh, welfare check you alive. And he said, more alive than I've ever been. Ah, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. So That's he's what we're high as with. a kite right now. That's what we're dealing with. Well, that explains the time off. Unannounced day off. Right. Okay. I feel like he should have just pre-planned because if they win, he needs it off for celebrating. And if they lose, Utter he's the type that would need a morning day. True. Or two. <laughs> or week. Uh, well, here is a uh, here is a story. We're going to follow this this week because uh, we have an opportunity to talk one of the with one of the players coming up a little bit later this week. William Terry Bradford was granted parole at a hearing last week, despite the fact that his own daughter testified against him and the prosecutor who helped convict him of murdering his wife testified against him in this parole hearing. This is a guy, like you said, who murdered his wife. And then when he was behind bars, he talked to another inmate about how he wanted to murder the prosecutor in this case, but not before he murdered the prosecutor's wife and two kids. This This is a scary guy, all right? And yes, he's 84, but you know what it doesn't? Take a hell of a lot to commit murder, does it? Because he told the inmate that he was doing time with that he wanted to blow this guy's head off. Now, how hard is it to get a weapon, and even if you're 84, to to carry that out? But no, his attorney argued to the parole board, no, he's got dementia, heart disease, kidney disease. He's too old and too sick to hurt anyone. What? Okay. You cannot hold up kidney disease as a reason why somebody's not going to murder someone else. She described him as saying he can't put two and two together. He doesn't have the resources to go out and hire a hitman because that's one of the things that the other inmate was saying that he was bragging about was he was trying to solicit someone to go and kill the DA, the deputy DA that that handled his case. The, The way this works now is... They have granted parole. The board has four months to do a legal review, and if the case passes the review, it goes to the governor, who, of course, has the power to reject this. But even with the governor's blessing, we're still probably about a year away from him actually being released. When the important thing is we get the information out there, and, and the L.A. Times did a story on, on this guy trying to get the governor to – Uh, not sign off on the parole. Uh, We're going to be talking to the DA later in the week about his story and um, about how fearful his family is about this guy getting out. Because it's obviously, we don't know what Jerry Brown would, uh, would do. The important thing is we get it to his attention, that it rises to the level of getting attention so then he can block the parole. The story that put him in jail in the first place was 
he and his wife, Joan, had been separated for, several, for, for years. Uh, and in 1988, the divorce was finalized. The evening that their divorce was finalized, two of their kids, uh, a girl's 21, young woman, I should say 21, and her 16-year-old brother drive from Orange County to mom's house in Torrance. And when they show up, her car's in the driveway. They let themselves in. They find her dead on the ground in the, no- in the uh, living room. And they realize that she had been shot. And when the 911 dispatcher is talking to them, or when the detectives show up to talk to them, they said, she said they asked her a short question that changed her life. And the question was, does your father own a gun? Because in that moment, she realized that her father killed her mother. Not because of what the detective said, but suddenly everything came back to her in a flash. All the times that she heard her father talk about how much he hated her mother. About a few years earlier when he said to her, life's a bitch and then you marry one. This guy never showed up to work on the day of the murder. He didn't call in sick either. It was so out of his character that his boss went to his apartment to check on him. And when the boss sees this guy, he says, why, why don't you call the office? And he just said he didn't feel like it. By the way, when the son, here's another uh, giveaway. The son calls dad to tell him that his now ex-wife was killed. Uh, according to the records... He doesn't express shock. He doesn't ask for details. He didn't ask who did it. All things that you would imagine someone would ask if faced with the death of someone that they knew that close to them. Unfortunately, there just wasn't a hell of a lot of evidence. He was was arrested, but he had to be released. Prosecutors couldn't file charges, didn't have enough evidence. Case went cold until about 2000, when Torrance Police and the L.A. County DA's office reopened the investigation. He was rearrested the following year in 2001, charged with first-degree murder. And the DA in the case, John Lewin, began to par- prepare for the trial. And he put this guy away. And that's when this guy started talking about ordering a hit on John Lewin and his family. What I don't get is he was sentenced to 26 years to life. We're doing parole here 17 years later. Oh, yeah. Anyway, like like Shannon said, we have the opportunity. We're going to talk with John Lewin a little bit later this week and get his take on what's going on. And what, if anything, he can do to keep this guy in jail. Uh, Do we have compassionate release in California? Yeah, sometimes. Not, but not for not a guy for a who puts a, a thirty-eight in his wife's neck. Well, that and then starts to threaten the life of uh, lives of of the DA and his family. Yeah, that's and and this is this is a guy whose daughter is before the parole board and is like, I am terrified of my father. Can you not let him out? And then the DA comes in and he says, This guy threatened to kill my children, and you're going to let him out. And the parole board sides with him? Well, and his lawyer in, that's representing him in front of the parole board says, oh, well, he's been he's been so compliant while in jail. He doesn't have any major uh, infractions on his record while he's been in jail. He hasn't been written up once. That doesn't mean he's not going to go. Right. The, I, how that plays into it, I don't understand. Listen to this uh, late-breaking story from uh, Andrew Mullenbeck. Yes. Philadelphia Schools has put out a tweet. 
The excitement of the Eagles' first Super Bowl victory is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. For this reason, we have decided to give our students, teachers, and their families the chance to witness history. All Philadelphia schools and administrative offices will be closed on Thursday for the parade. That's nice. What could possibly go wrong, Except Andrew says. Right, except you've got several hundred thousand people now uh, crowding the streets that wouldn't already, that wouldn't be there. We're going to have to do live coverage of that just to just to see what burns. I hope not the Liberty Bell. Well, it's already got the big crack in it. It doesn't mean it's true. You, just, uh, this is funny. Um when we were watching the Super Bowl and they showed an image of the Liberty Bell, <laughs> Gary's like, we saw that, we saw that. And I was like, no. He's like, well, we drove by it. Well, it's You're true. trying to tell people that we saw the Liberty yes. Bell when you know we were too lazy to go see the Liberty Bell. That is true. We failed. Next time. Next, next time, time we're all in Philadelphia together. <laughs> all right. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender.